Hello everybody, this is Andrew Gamison. I'm very glad to be with you for this week's edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. So very grateful to be able to come to you each week with hopefully a dose of encouragement, um, maybe some humor mixed in, but most of all, the goal of helping you to walk worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have a very important topic to you uh, that has just come to me, uh, I think yesterday was when I realized how important this topic was because of something that happened in the headlines, and we will get to that in a timely manner. But first of all, I just want to say by way of introduction, please make sure that you're giving me feedback on the quality of the broadcast along with your other feedback about the content, um, because I've been doing a lot of experimenting with different equipment lately, and I want to make sure that I'm coming to you in the best way possible. I'm actually using a different mic today than my normal microphone, and I'm hoping that that will give you an even clearer uh, a clearer experience of hearing uh, my voice and hearing the podcast, so please let me know if that is the case. Um, and we will uh, dig into our topic, but first I wanted to do a quick uh, roundup of current events and what is happening in my world. So let's talk about what's going on. Alright, well, very quickly, uh, things are going well for me. I have really enjoyed uh, getting used to uh, my Roadcaster Pro, Road, Roadcaster Pro, excuse me, Complete Podcaster Studio. It really is a gift, and I would recommend it to anyone who wants to get into doing audio. Um, it's very intuitive. I learned it very quickly, and I've just been very pleased at the things that it has allowed me to do. I'm excited to say that uh, my friend Adam McNutt will be coming over in the next couple of weeks and we will be recording a podcast together, so you'll catch that in a couple Fridays from now. So I really appreciate the opportunity to have this technology and I hope that God will continue to bless as content uh, comes forth from it. Uh, The next thing I wanted to mention is that the Pilgrim's Progress uh, multi-voice uh, recording is complete. The recording phase is complete, and so now we're going to go into the editing process. I have yet to schedule a meeting with my editor to figure out how long that process will be, and then hopefully within the next few weeks or so, I should be able to announce a premiere date for those podcasts. Now, my goal is to air them in consecutive weeks of podcasts, um, that might be a little challenge, challenging given the length. When last time I did an unabridged book as a part of the Speaking for Him podcast, it only took four weeks to share it with you, and now um, it, it will be a total of uh, ten weeks or possibly even more because it's, it's a good um, six to seven hours of audio total. So a lot went into this. I want to say a heartfelt thank you to my entire cast who really poured their hearts into this. Um, 
I'm not going to take the time to list all the names, but I did want to give a special shout out to Craig Apel and Alex Jacobson. You guys are champs. Um, Craig, Craig was the narrator and, um, Alex was Christian in, uh, this production and they had to be at every single recording session and they showed up and it, it sounds awesome already. So I can only imagine how great it's going to sound after, um, Chris Green gets done editing it. And as I said, I will continue to give you updates. Um, I would ask that you would continue to pray for Potter's House Christian School and for my involvement there as I seek to go back to class on Monday, August 24th. I'm still not sure what my schedule is, what classes I may be leading or what responsibilities I may have this year. Every year seems to be a little bit different and a little bit more challenging. And this year will definitely not be an exception from just the standpoint of having to wear a mask all day and then also from the standpoint of having to monitor uh, students and make sure that they follow the safety pro- protocols that have been outlined for us. So if you could continue to pray for that and, of course, continue to pray for our state that we would be able to move uh, through the phases and continue uh, recovery from this pandemic. I really am praying for that hardcore um, because as we move into later phases, we'll be able to relax some of the things that we are going into the year having to do. And so I, I would be grateful for your prayers, continue to covet those, and just excited about the things that are going on. And so I just hope that you would continue to pray for this nation. Last week I gave you a little bit of my thoughts regarding the primary election, and now we're kicking into overdrive for November with a um, with Joe Biden having made his uh, vice presidential pick. And I'm not going to talk about that in detail. I'm just going to ask you to pray for our nation and pray as you make your decision about um, who to go to the polls to vote for. I, I would encourage you to think about the issues that are important to you. And as you think about those issues, then make your decision based on those issues. Don't allow the media to tell you uh, who a person is and don't allow um, your your perception of the person to determine who you vote for. Rather, look at the, their policies, look at what they truly believe in, what have they done, you know, for for certain people you have years and years of experience to think about, for others you have a very short time of experience to think about, but really think about the policies and then that will help you to come to a solid decision of who to support. I really do believe that. Um, because I think that we kind of can get caught up on what the media says and just believe them for what they say instead of fact-checking things. And we need to do uh, so much research as we go to the polls and try to make a responsible decision. And it's even more important for us to search the scriptures and make sure that the things that we believe and the things that we're espousing are things that are in line with God's holy word. And that kind of brings us to today's topic. And what what prompted this was um, there was a teacher on Twitter 
who was sharing his concern for if they have to continue with distance learning in the fall. Um, his concern was that parents would have an undue influence on their children and might overhear things that he would rather have kept private. Now, I know for a lot of years, um, conservative parents, and particularly homeschool parents, have expressed uh, a concern and a fear for the public education system that teachers would be teaching things that they would not endorse and that it would be very difficult for their child um, to uh, deal with the worldviews that are being put forth. And a lot of times people would come back with, well, you're just uh, overreacting. My student's going there to be an example, to show Christ Christ's light in the public school system, and and that may very well be true. And I'm I'm not by any way putting this forth, saying that all public schools are absolutely evil, but I have seen how different agendas, while they used to be soft pedaled, while they used to be kind of snuck in, they used to be subtle. They are no longer subtle, and this is an example of one of those things. So today's um, podcast topic is. Um, dangerous parents, question mark. Um, and because one of the things that was brought out in this Twitter exchange was that parents are indeed dangerous. And I'm going to play for you a clip in just a moment from Matt Walsh where he talks about the dangers of this um, exchange and uh, they obviously felt in some level that it was something that they didn't want to get out because they privatized the Twitter thread after it went public, but screenshots were grabbed, and I will share a video, the video that this audio clip comes from, on my blog so that you can see uh, the screen grabs and you can hear it in its entirety. We're only going to hear about half of the clip today on the podcast, and then we'll get into our topic um, and really what this is going to center on is what God says about parents. Um, and God's plan for parents is to be in charge of their children, and it's very important that we combat the world's view that parents are dangerous. The world literally has a view that the state is responsible for your children and that parents just get in the way of that. And uh, for a while, we've been able to kind of plausibly deny that because it hasn't been that obvious, but now it is. So it's very important that we have this discussion today. And so I hope and pray that this will encourage you and open your eyes if necessary. And the quote that I have today is actually from uh, Mr. Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, The family should be a closely knit group. The home should be a a self-contained shelter of security, a kind of school where life's basic lessons are taught, and a kind of church where God is honored, a place where wholesome recreation and simple pleasures are enjoyed. And that was from one Mr. Billy Graham. And I, I like what he says um, here, a kind of school where life's basic lessons are taught. I think we've come to a place where we almost believe that the lessons of life should be taught by uh, the public school, by our teachers, rather than 
by the family. Now, it is true that in places where family is not allowed to be or not able to be that influence on the kids, that teachers are important. But it's so important as a teacher and for me as an educator to make sure that I'm not indoctrinating the kids to follow my way. Number one, I need to be modeling Jesus to them. And number two, I need to to encourage them to go to their primary authority and that is their parents and and to not and to, to discuss the important issues the um the moral issues with their parents because at the end of the day I think that teachers are a conduit and an asset to parents. That's what their job is to be. Whenever a parent gives their kid a teacher for whatever reason, their job is to enforce and to do what um the parents um what the parents want them to do and not to do their own thing. So it's very important that we make sure that we honor parents and have a mentality that the parents are in charge of their kids. Paul even says in Galatians that when a father puts his child, his son, in the care of a tutor. So it talks about the father's um, uh, example and, and the need of the fathers to take responsibility to put their kids under the tutelage of others. And so I think it's so important that we have this discussion today. And without further ado, I want to share with you this clip from Matt Walsh. This is actually about half of the clip that you can find on YouTube and as I said, I or on uh, Facebook. And as I said, I will have the link in the show notes. But here is Matt Walsh. In one of the creepiest yet most revealing Twitter threads ever to be posted on the platform, I think, a teacher recently fretted out loud that virtual classes might allow parents to hear him brainwashing their kids. And he's very afraid of that. Matthew R. K., an educator and author of a book called uh, How to Lead Meaningful Race Conversations in the Classroom, worried that, quote, conservative parents would be able to interfere with the, quote, messy work of indoctrinating children into critical race theory, gender theory, and other left-wing dogmas. Here's the entire thread, uh, which has since been set to private, but here's a screenshot of it. It says, uh, so this fall, virtual class discussions will have many potential spectators, parents, siblings, etc., in the same room. We'll never be quite sure who's overhearing the discourse. What does this do for our equity-slash-inclusion work? How much have students depended on the somewhat secure barriers of our physical classrooms to encourage vulnerability? How many of us have installed some version of what happens here stays here to, to help with this? While conversations about race are in my wheelhouse and remain a concern in this no-walls environment, I am most intrigued by the damage that helicopter-slash-snowplow parents can do in the, in the uh, host conversations about gender-slash-sexuality. And while, quote, conservative parents are my chief concern, I know that the damage can come from the left, too. If we are engaged in the messy work of destabilizing a kid's racism or homophobia or transphobia, how much do we want their classmates' parents piling on? That's what he had to say. 
It's important to note that while some teachers responded to Kay's comments with the appropriate level of horror and disgust, many others chimed in to share their own strategies for brainwashing during, during a pandemic. Apparently, this is something that uh, teachers have thought about and have come up with strategies for. One teacher said that uh, she'd also been, quote, thinking about the problem that Kay described and had decided that she'd ask her students about their preferred, preferred pronouns via survey. Uh, though she still worries that, uh, quote, caregivers might see it and learn something about their children that they weren't supposed to know, apparently. Another teacher said that students last semester would sometimes, uh, quote, type secrets into the chat whenever the discussion turned to, quote, anti-racism and gender-inclusive content. Another complained that a, a white parent, she made sure to specify white, in her district recorded a Zoom class and then, quote, filed a complaint against the teacher for anti-racist for a for an anti-racist read aloud saying the teacher's commentary was inappropriate and biased and this the teacher says is going to be an issue a ninth grade teacher shared uh shared in the commiseration saying that her class required students to quote read and respond to a news article this is part of her class but that participation in this exercise is stunted now because quote outsiders are listening the outsiders to be clear are the children's parents. And another teacher with pronouns listed in her Twitter handle, so you know what she's up to, said that uh, she plans to use the chat function more than voice lectures because she wants children to, quote, share that information with her in a, quote, parentless way. And a science teacher agreed with all the sentiments expressed here, but summarized it bluntly, saying, parents are dangerous. And these are just the comments that were captured in screenshots before the tweets were all made private. Presumably, there is more where this came from. A lot more. You heard on that clip the response of Matt Walsh from this uh, situation where this teacher tweets out, basically, parents are going to be watching us. Parents are going to be... Uh, paying attention to what we're doing, and so we're not going to be able to do the job that we need to do to essentially indoctrinate kids in these particular things, specifically talking about the um, the social um, discussions that are going on in our culture today and the gender issues that are going on in our culture today, as if in some way his authority as a teacher was more important than the authority of individual parents in these situations. And that is just not true. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, It's something that I actually brought up as one of the topics for discussion when I was privileged to be a part of the Menacing Millennials podcast, which we recorded last night. It's out on iTunes this morning on Apple Uh, podcasts, as well as a variety of other podcast platforms. So I would encourage you to um, check that out because it was a lively, fun discussion with my friends Russ, Brent, and John over at Menacing Millennials. So I would would appreciate you taking the chance, uh, taking the opportunity to check that out. So essentially what I've been thinking about today is the need to clarify from the Word of God what parents are called to do, specifically as it pertains to teaching their children. 
I want to zero in, if you will, to a couple things that were said. First of all, he basically said that parents were going to cause problems for his teaching. And then one of the people that was responding to him said, parents are dangerous. And if you look at this Twitter thread, you can see that these things actually were written down on Twitter before this this thread was made private. Um, and the screenshots are on the video, which, as I said, I will share um, with you in the uh, blog post for this podcast. So you'll want to go over to speakingforhim.blogspot.com to find that. So I want to just look at a couple points from the Word of God about how important it is for parents to be the primary teachers of your kids. And I think it's important to note that whether you choose to homeschool your children, whether you choose to private school your children, or whether you choose to public school your children, it does not advocate, you do not abdicate this responsibility to them. The Bible does not allow for that. So we need to make sure that we know that we are following the Bible and not following the world. The world. There's one thing that I've been thinking about a lot, um, and that is, I saw a a quote. I don't remember if it, it when it was. I think it was pretty early on in this shutdown process. Is and it was in a homeschool group that I'm a part of, and it basically said that we have conditioned ourselves so much when it comes to teachers teaching our kids that if we send our kids to school before they could walk, we may be convinced that we were not able to teach our kids to walk because we're not teachers. If if teachers were the ones that taught our kids to walk because we sent our kids to school before they could walk, we might be convinced that we have an inability to teach our children to walk. And I think that 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 education definitely has its place. I'm an educator. I really appreciate being able to educate kids that can't just um, be homeschooled or can't don't have a family structure that allows their parents to teach them and um, gives a world class Christian education to all the kids that we encounter. I appreciate being able to be a part of that, but I also appreciate the fact that we have a culture in the Potter's House that includes parents and, in fact, encourages parents to be involved to such an extent that parents are encouraged to get volunteer hours which are required for the enrollment of their child at the Potter's House. So this is so important for us to make sure that we have the right view. So as we go through these points... That is the perspective that I'm taking. That regardless of your education choice for your child, you still have a responsibility to do those things that God has called us all to. And so, here we go. The first one is parents are called to raise their children. Parents are called to raise their children. Raising your children is not the job of any educator. It is the job of the parent. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. So in this passage, it is a very uh, simple, well-known passage, but let's consider it for a second. Um, You're supposed to train up a child in the way he should go. 
and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, children um, learn from example, and they learn from training. That's what parenthood is. Parenthood is the time when a child doesn't know what they need to know, and the parent comes alongside them and says, this is how you do such and such. This is how you become a man and woman of God. You follow the word of God. And we we are in desperate need in our culture today of parents who will take the time to raise their children. Having children is not the same as raising them either. Because raising children takes time and it takes effort and it takes blood and it takes sweat and it takes tears. It really does. My my dad has a shirt and I think he may have gave, given one to one of my brothers as well, but it, it says fatherhood, the toughest job that you will ever love. Because it is tough, it is important for us to prioritize these things and make sure that we are raising our children, not just having them exist in our home. The second one is fathers are to discipline their children. Fathers are to discipline their children. Uh, we work with a lot of students that have discipline issues in the classroom, and a lot of that stems from unstable home lives. So it is very important for us to have fathers in the homes disciplining children. Ephesians 6.4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So this is not a chant, not an opportunity for fathers to be angry with their children. It is an opportunity for them to bring them up in a sound way in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So you nurture them, meaning you care for them and give them what they need, and you also admonish them. You 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 share with them the truth of God's word. We can think about this in the sense of the church too, because sometimes we think, well, the pastor is supposed to preach. But all of us who are believers, and particularly those who are parents, they have an audience to preach to every single day. It's not only the pastors that get up and preach sermons, it's all those who are believers who come in contact with others. You're preaching when you do everything that you do on a daily basis. And never is it more important to preach effectively than with your own children. Mothers are to teach their children. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. So, we have a situation here where we are told not to forsake the law of your mother. And so, it's important for mothers to lay down rules. Mothers tell us, don't put your hand in the cookie jar. Mothers tell us um, to pray before we go to bed. Mothers tell us to make sure that we're um, giving our offering at church. Those type of things are things that mothers can do on the daily. And when you're a homeschool mother like my mom was, you have an opportunity to teach and invest in every part of your children's life. And uh, 
Then it says in the second part of this, For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. So when we when we hear the instruction of our fathers, when we forsake not the law of our mothers, it says that it will be an ornament of grace on our head, and chains about thy neck. It will go with us everywhere we go. If you wear a necklace, it goes with you everywhere you go. It doesn't just disappear. And uh, we need to make sure that we are, we are parents um, that will give that kind of influence to our children. And continuing on, our next point is, parents are to teach their children history. And I think this is such an important thing right now. Because we have liberal people saying that we should stop teaching history in our public schools. Representative LaShawn Ford issued a call to abolish teaching history in Illinois schools, citing concerns that history teaching in its present form formats white supremacy and racism. Now, I don't know about the textbooks in the Chicago public schools, and there may be a need for new textbooks, but saying there there needs to be new textbooks is not the same as saying let's not teach history. But basically, um, what we're telling ourselves in this in this modern culture is don't teach me history, because we had the situation of cancel culture, which I talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast, where we're tearing down statues, and the people doing the tearing down don't even know why they want to tear down these statues. They are tearing down statues of slaveholders and abolitionists alike. There's no discrimination. Because because why? Because they don't know history. And then you also have this mentality that we've fostered in our culture that says you're not able to have a good contribution to uh, history if I can point out a flaw that you had. And again, that's a horrible place for us to be in as a culture to say to ourselves, we cannot celebrate the good that this person did because of his flaws. Because I guarantee you, we all have flaws. And if you are allowing your flaws to stop you from trying to make an impact upon those whom you come in contact with, that is the wrong approach. That's why Paul would say things like, imitate me as I imitate Christ Jesus. Because he wasn't saying, imitate everything I do. He wasn't saying, I'm a perfect man. But he's saying, insofar as I imitate Jesus Christ, imitate me. And that's the kind of attitude that we need to have in our culture. So the verse that I have for that is in Joshua. Shortly after the children of Israel um, went into the promised land, or were going into the promised land, uh, it says in Joshua, and the, those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What meaneth these st- mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. 
For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until he passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua 4.20-24 And in this case, um, God is saying, I want you to preserve your history. I want you to be able to tell your children the journey that God has taken you on, that he's delivered you from bondage. It's interesting that this passage kind of is talking to former slaves. So he's not saying totally forget that you were slaves. As a matter of fact, he's saying remember that you're slaves. Remember that you were slaves and that God delivered you. Because the funny thing that happened, too, is that the people of Israel in Jesus' day says said, Hey, we've never been in bondage to anyone. And they said this, having been in bondage to the children, to the, the leaders in Egypt, and they said this, being currently in bondage to the people of Rome. So perhaps if they had known their history, if they had prized their history, they would not struggle to say, we're in bondage to no one. See, the thing is, if you do not learn from history, you are doomed to repeat it. It's a common phrase, I'm not sure who first coined it, but it is so true. As a friend of mine pointed out, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. The conflicts that we have today are the same conflicts we had a a generation ago, and we still need to look to the same place for answers, the Word of God. Uh, But it's interesting also, and I'll mention this because it was, I heard somebody mention this recently, and that was that uh, you can't judge someone on the content of their character anymore in our culture. Because in order to judge someone on the content of their character, you have to have an exact standard by which you by which you apply character. You have to have a standard by which character is measured. And we no longer have that as a culture. Because if you start um, measuring um, character against the word of God, people call you bigoted or they say that you're hiding behind your religion. So it's very hard to get to that Martin Luther, ide- Martin Luther King Jr. ideal of judging someone by the content of their character. And that's why we need history so we can understand where we have come from so that we can know where we are going. The Bible spends a lot of time in history. Um, as a matter of fact, Jesus, uh, God said repeatedly in the first five books of the Bible, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. That's one of the most popular first verses or second verses of many chapters in Exodus through Deuteronomy. Because why? Because the people were easy, it was easy for the kid, for the people of Israel to forget. And as a matter of fact, they had a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on because they decided shortly after they left Egypt that they wanted to go back because it would be better to be enslaved and have food than to be free and have to work for their food and have to rely on God for their food. And I really feel like that's where we are at as a culture today, that we would rather have food, 
have stuff than be free to attempt to create a future for ourselves. Remember that the Founding Fathers gave us the pursuit of happiness. They didn't give us the guarantee. So we need history. We need to uh, be teaching it on the regular in school, but parents need to enforce that and teach history um, uh, for, for their children and encourage their children to learn history. You know, children are not going to pick up on something that we're not putting down. So if you want the children around you to be excited about learning, to be excited about history, it would help if you yourself were that to them. All right, and the final um, point that I want to make on this topic is parents are to teach their children all the time. In Deuteronomy, we read this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be frontless upon thine eyes, and they, sh- they, they shall write them upon the posts of thy house and on their gates. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. And the first thing I want to say here is I think a major failing of our modern uh, understanding of education is education is what happens in the school from 8 to 3.30 every day, to use Potter's House as an example. And yes, we do educate kids while they are there. But education is so much more than that, and it's not limited to that. As a homeschooler, I was encouraged to educate myself every day. I was encouraged to learn and grow and to enjoy my world every day. That's one thing that I think homeschooling taught me is that every day is a learning experience. Everything you go through causes you to learn some lesson, and that education is not simply restricted to uh, a a brick-and-mortar educational establishment with a rigid schedule. If we learn how to learn, we can be lifelong learners and continue to increase our knowledge, and our wisdom. So that's the first thing I want to garner from this. The second thing I want to garner from this is that we are to teach all the time. It says that we should teach them diligently unto our children when we, and we, and how do we do that? We talk of them when we sit in our house. We talk of them by the way. And when we lay down, um, When we have our kids lay down at night, we say prayers with them and teach them about God through evening devotions or bedtime stories or whatever. Every single facet of life should be focused on teaching your children. So that whatever other teachers they have are simply a supplement to the things that you are doing at home. I hope that encourages you. And I hope that you realize from from the video clip that we shared earlier, that it is a very real agenda of the liberal left to take education out of your purview and to place it in the hands of other people 
who may or may not even have experience raising children. And we need to make sure that we are espousing Christian values and biblical truth in this time where biblical truth is being maligned. I go back to this example often, and that is with counterfeit money. People may think that counterfeiters spend a lot of time with counterfeit money so they know what the real thing is, but actually the reverse is true. They spend hours upon hours studying actual bills so that when a counterfeit is shown, they can know because they've memorized the actual bill they can know what the counterfeit bill looks like. That's the way we need to be with the Word of God. We need to spend so much time with the genuine article that when someone says something that is against the Word of God, that we can say, wait a second, this is wrong. This is against God's Holy Word, and I will not stand for it. That's the kind of people that we need to be in this culture in which we live. Now, I would hasten to say that we need to make sure that we address these things in a loving manner, because I think a lot of times people think that I can be a righteous jerk. I can say the truth, but I can be totally jerky about it, and I'm right because it's the Bible. It's the right thing to say, so no matter how I say it, it's right. I don't think that's true. We are to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And I hope that you will take this under advisement. I hope that you will share this with those who may be encouraged by it. And I really just hope that it has given you a lot to think about. You know, I've said this often when I preach, and I say it every so often here on the podcast too. What I have to say isn't very important, but what God has to say is of utmost importance. And that's what Speaking for Him exists for. When I get behind the mic to do these podcasts, my main goal is to proclaim the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my hope for you is that if you do not already know Him, that you would come to know Him so that you can understand the importance of these truths that we've heard today. Because you can't teach truth to your children unless you first believe that truth. Alright, well, it's been awesome to be with you this week. I hope that you'll give me all kinds of feedback with the contact information that's about to roll at the end of the show. Please let me know how it sounds broadcast quality-wise and also any feedback you'd like to leave on this or any other topic of my podcast. There are over 400 episodes in my archive, so make sure that you avail yourself of that. And above all, I hope that you have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter 
at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 